morning, everybody. Let's turn to Psalms 119, 25 through 32. What happens when the bottom of life falls out? When wave after wave after wave of pain and suffering and anxiety and hurts and trials hit us, what do we do? What do we do when pain and anxiety and hurts cause us to be overcome in our soul and be broken in our soul? What do we do in those times? When we forget who God is and we forget who he says we are. Tim Keller has a quote, Suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain God is for you and with you. And we're going to look at the psalmist of 119 and how he dealt with brokenness and how he dealt with clinging to dust. And ultimately, when we look at these passages, we're going to see God in these passages and what he says we're to do during these times of hurt and pain. My soul clings to dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told you of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness, and I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. May God add his blessing and favor to his word. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father, for the chance to speak your word to your people. I ask that you help me articulate your word clearly to everyone, not just words, but also your heart for them. I ask that you fill me with your spirit, that I may speak boldly your truths, that those in here who are broken or hurting in pain and in sickness may ultimately see your goodness and your grace in these times of trial. Thank you for everything you do for all of us. I ask that you continue to be with me throughout this sermon. Amen. My soul clings to dust. The first thing we see is the state of the psalmist's soul. He is clinging to dust. He is broken. He is helpless. He is hurting. We'll see throughout Psalms 119 that there's affliction happening. He's being lied about. His name is being smeared. He's being in constant persecution. So what does the writer do? What would we do in those times of situations where we're hurting, we're being attacked, and we don't know what's going on? The writer continues and goes, give me life according to your word. The first thing he, do, he does is he turns to prayer, and he turns to the word, and he knows that there is life in the scripture, that there is life for someone made of dust, clinging to dust. He knows that Adam was dust, and God breathed into him, and Adam was formed. And so his soul is clinging to dust, and the life in this word can breathe into him and give him life. He knows that when you cling to the promises of Christ and you cling to the promises of his word, that God will breathe life and breathe into his spirit and help him out during these times of trouble. We know that in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed, that everything in here is able to give us more life and more abundance. And we see him, he desperately pleads in prayer and turns to the word and says, God, please help me. I need you in this time of suffering. I need this time when I'm hurting. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm stuck and people are persecuting me, attacking me. And he plead, do we desperately plead for the Lord to help us and teach us and grow us? And he continues, when I told you of my ways, you answered me. He was open and honest before God. 
He didn't put on a religious face and come to God thinking, oh, God must see me perfect. No, he knew he could be open, he could bear before God. He could tell him all his doubts, all his fears, all his hurts, all his pains, everything that's going on in his heart. Because he knew that God formed it. His, our frame is but dust. And that God knew who he was and he would accept his broken prayer. And what does God do? He answers them during this time. He answers them. And what does he do? All of a sudden, we see that he says, teach me your statutes. All of a sudden, his devotion for God is grown. He's like, I want to have deeper devotion. I want to know you more. I want to see what you're doing in my life. I want to walk your path. And we see when God answers, when we're open and we're honest, and God's answering, our hearts are in devotion and want to be farther committed to him. In other words, he's just being open. He's just being honest before God. And he continues, make me understand of the way your precepts. He's saying, I can't make heads or tails what's going on in my situation right now. I don't know why it's happening to me. I don't understand why this is all happening. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. And it's crazy that when you look at it, it says precepts. And precepts is appointed times. So he says, help me understand your appointed times. I knew that you know before this all happened, before sickness happened, before this pain happened, before this anxiety, this oppression, this persecution happened to me. I know that you knew about it, and you already saw this appointed time in my life. So help me understand what you're doing now. And then he says, I will meditate on your wondrous works. So he's saying, while I'm going through this pain, while I'm going through this suffering, while I'm going through this anxiety, while I'm going through this depression, I'm going to meditate on who you are in Scripture. I'm going to meditate on what you've already done in my life and what you've already proved in these words. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to be open and honest before you. I'm going to understand, you're going to help me understand what's going on, but I'm not going to let my faith falter during these times. I'm going to trust you and see what you've already done in my life and how faithful you were and how loving you were and how kind you were before anything happened to me. And then he says, my soul melts away for sorrow. He's back to utter despair. He was having like, he was having a time of like happiness in his life again. He could see God's goodness and see God's grace. But how often are we like that? We go from bad to good to bad again. All of a sudden, everything in our life is horrible, but we see the goodness of God and we're, we're feeling a little bit better. It happens, a wave of, hits us again, pain and suffering. Next thing we know, we're bad again. We don't understand what's going on. Now, what, what do we do in these times where we're hurting and we're sorrowful and we're in pain? What is our normal coping? A lot of us, what we'll do is we'll turn to our jobs, we'll turn to our friends, we'll turn to our hobbies, we'll even turn to sin. We'll try to figure out some kind of antidote to solve a hurtful, sorrowful soul that's melting. What does the psalmist do, though? The psalmist says, Strengthen me according to your word. He's going right back to what he knows, what is faithful and true. The word of God. God is, there is life in this word. This is the only true antidote of a sorrowful soul. The word of God. And then he keeps going, put false ways far from me. And he's, these are going to be false understands of who God is. Falsely believing something that's not true about God. Believing a false doctrine, a false theology of who God is. He's saying, put this far from me. Now, how often do we, when everything's going wrong in our life, we start believing false things about who God is? You know, a time, multiple times in my life, I've struggled with depression and anxiety when it's so deep and so dark, I don't know what is God's good and he's great. I usually try to hide or I try to worry about everything through being anxious. 
and I'll start believing lies. Is God good? Does God really care for me? Does God really love me? Am I really his child? Is he really there for me during these times? But we see, we see a path where we could turn and say, no, teach me who you are. He says, graciously teach me your law. He's saying, I don't want to be struggling with who you are. Teach me who you are in your law. Teach me who your character, like you are loving, that you are faithful, that you are kind, that you are compassionate. Teach me who you are through your law, and I will follow it to the day I die. I mean, it continues. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. He's no, he knows that this path is the only path that will cure his soul, the only path that will be utterly helpful for him. That every other path he'll take will lead to other pain and other suffering, but God's path is a path of faithfulness, a path of love. And when he says, I have set your rules before me, he's saying, this is my aim. This is my heart. And the same thing if you hunt, you know that you're sitting out in the woods and you're, you're looking for the deer and you see the deer come out and you line up the scope, you line up your sight and I, you don't pay attention to your job, you're not worried about what's going on in your life. The only thing you're worried about is that target. That's the only thing that matters. The birds chirping, you don't really hear anymore. You don't see the squirrels running around. The only thing you're paying attention to is to the deer. That's your target. And so he's saying the same thing. He's saying, you're my target. When I make you my target, everything else quiets down. The pain I'm going through, the suffering I'm going through, everything is happening, people align against me, people persecuting, nothing else matters. This is my target. This is my goal. This is my aim. And when I focus on you, everything else starts to quiet down. It doesn't mean it went away. It is quiet down because he knew what the true purpose in life was, and that was God. And then he says, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. And it's crazy. He went from clinging to dust, clinging to brokenness, clinging to hurt, to all of a sudden clinging to the testimonies of God, the character of God, who God is. No longer is he clinging to the temporal. He's clinging to the eternal. Not clinging to this pain and suffering he's going through. He's clinging to God is loving. God is kind. God is compassionate. God is there for me during these times. That's what he's clinging to. And he says, let not my, let not me be put to shame. He says, don't let me be put to shame. Let not my trust in you be for naught. He's just like the Roman soldier. He said, let my faith be true amongst my doubts. But when we truly know and we cling to the testimonies and the character of God, we know who he is, things start happening in our hearts. A.W. Tozer says, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. And so Tozer is saying, no matter what's going on in your life, if you see the right view of God, everything makes more sense. Every pain you go through and every hurt you go through, it makes more sense we have the right view of God and who he is. And then he goes on, he says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And he went from clinging to dust, to clinging to the character of God. His soul melting to all of a sudden, his soul is running because his heart and his emotions have been enlarged by looking at the character of God. And so no longer is he paying attention to the temporal. He's focusing on the eternal characteristics of God. And so we can see that the psalmist knowing the word of God changed his life. 
breathed life into him, caused him to run, caused him to chase after the Lord. And it doesn't mean that, you know, these pain, these sufferings went away from him. The afflictions, the persecutions went away. We see that what happened was his view of life changed. His, his trust in the word, knowing that this is God-breathed and able to breathe life into him, was able to sustain him through the toughest times of his life. And maybe you're like, I don't understand. This is just a bunch of words to me. Maybe you, you figure this is distant, uh, complicated, ancient, not personable. Maybe you don't really understand what the purpose of the word is. Well, the scripture has the reason for the word. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was life. The life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. We see the word is God in flesh. Jesus. This is about Jesus. We'll see later in John 5, 39, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's saying, you're searching for life in these words. You're searching for eternal life, but you cannot find it because you're not searching for me in it. And then later, he's walking on the road to Emmaus with his two disciples. He's taken from Genesis to Malachi, showing how he's in all Scripture, how all Scripture is about him. So the same way, uh, Jesus is the lens to the Scripture. So the same thing, if I took my glasses off, I cannot see any of y'all at all. I cannot see my words. I cannot see your faces. I have no idea who anybody is. I know where y'all sitting at, but that's because I normally know where y'all sitting. But... (laughs) Uh, but then, you know, everybody's blurry, and which would have been helpful because I'm super nervous up here, so it would be probably helpful to see a whole bunch of blurry faces up there. But let's do the same thing when we just put on the lens of Christ and look at Psalms 119 and see what this is truly about. My soul clings to dust, and Jesus left his abode to come down into flesh and enter dust of men for us. Give me life according to your word. And Jesus is the bread of life. When I told you of my ways, you answered me and teach me your statutes. And we see over and over and over in the Gospels that Jesus listened and he answered the people and he loved them. He was the great teacher. Make me understand the way your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. And how much more of a wondrous work is Christ crucified for us? to meditate on in our pain and our suffering. But he took the ultimate pain and the ultimate suffering for us. He says, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. And how much more can we know the characteristic of Christ, the characteristic of who God is by looking at Christ in the Gospels and how he's loving and how he's compassionate and how he's caring and how he truly was everything he says he was in the word. He says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness I have set your rules before me. And Christ, he set the cross as his aim so we could walk in faithfulness. Christ chose the cross so we could walk in faithfulness. I cling to your testimonies. Let me not be put to shame. And Christ was put to shame so we will not be put into eternal shame. And I will run in the ways of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. 
And how much more can our heart enlarge and our heart burst forth when we look at Christ crucified for us and our sin, sinners like me and sinners like you? How much more can our devotion increase, our affections increase when we look at Christ? So I challenge you, if you don't believe in Christ, see that he cared for you, he loves you, that he was willing to go to a cross and enter the earth as dust for us. And believer, in your pain and in your suffering, where you're hurting, you're depressed, and you're confused, know that Christ knows your pain. He knows your suffering, and he loves you. And he saw it all fit to die for you. So whatever temporary pains you're going through, ultimately, there was an eternal reward because Christ took all the pain and all the suffering for us.